How many trials did Jesus attend? And what caused Peter to deny Jesus? Also, why wasn't Judas saved even though he repented from his actions? I answer those questions and more today with my guest and personal friend, Kristen. What's up, church fam? Welcome back to the Revivalist for Christ podcast. I'm your host, Jordan, and of course, I am back with my beanie. If you are new here, welcome. I put out new content every Thursday. Make sure you subscribe to this channel to get more content to equip the 21st century Christian, as well as like this video to help us in the algorithm and also share to help our ministry grow. If you're a returning subscriber, you know what to do. Leave a comment down below. I'd love to hear from you. You can also keep up with this movement on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at rfchrist10, or you can email me at revivalistforchrist at gmail.com. Also, be sure to check out the description box below for other great resources, including a free 30-day devotional that I wrote specifically for this ministry. All right, guys, so I am super excited to hop into today's podcast, but before I do, I have a couple of announcements to make because... This week is honestly a very busy week for me. Um, So tonight, Thursday, I will actually be appearing on Renee Rowland's channel, who was my guest a couple of weeks ago, who honestly, a lot of you probably know since she moved or directed you guys to my channel, which I'm very grateful for. But we are going to be discussing the pagan origins of Easter. And I think this is important to realize because I think a lot of people don't understand the evil roots behind Easter. And as Christians, we should be celebrating Resurrection Sunday in its truest form. And I know I sound like such a killjoy. I sound like one of those Christians like, oh, you're just overzealous. But I would encourage you to at least tune in to hear what we have to say, because it might actually surprise you what is actually taking place in these innocent what we seem uh, or what we think to be innocent uh, rituals and practices that take place around this time of the year. So that will be at nine o'clock p.m. Eastern. I will put the link to that in the description box below. Also on Saturday, I will be appearing on Lisa's channel um, at 11 o'clock p.m. Eastern. And Lisa was my guest last week. So and I'm sure I have a few from her channel, too. So again, great people, great sisters in Christ. Um, But we will actually be discussing um, the evil that arose in the 1800s with all these cults breaking out, which is a topic that means a lot to me because that's something that I try very hard to combat um, are those cults that broke out from the Restoration Movement and the Second Great Awakening. So very excited. Both of those links will be in the description box below. I hope to see you there. Uh, So I also, (laughs) I wanted to give a special shout out and thank you. So um, one of my subscribers, her name is Emma, and she has two daughters, Lily and Lola. Um, I actually had the chance to do a Zoom call with them. And one day we even did a Bible study, but it's very sweet. They um, wanted to send me something. And so, well, let me start with this. They sent me a bracelet uh, because I always made a joke 
that we need to get friendship bracelets. And it has Romans 5.1 on it. And it says, being therefore justified by faith. And then faith is in big letters here. Uh, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And it's got some cool uh, symbols here. So, yeah, it's just really awesome. When I saw that, I was like, aw. And then I also got this card from them. Whoop. Uh, oh, come on. <laughs> well, oh, there we go. So it says to Jordan, and then it's got a sun across little flower and grass and then on the inside there is another cross um so yeah and then there's like little hearts i i don't know if you guys can see them but yeah and it says we hope you like your friendship bracelet which i absolutely do uh we are very pleased to meet you God bless you. Love, Lily, Lola, and Emma. I just thought this was absolutely sweet. They are actually from the United Kingdom. Uh, when I started this ministry, I was not expecting anything like this. Uh, the people that I've gotten to meet through this ministry have been more than a blessing to me. And to meet so many brothers and sisters in Christ has been absolutely amazing. I think a lot of people get on YouTube and it's just like, let's get the subscribers, but don't really take the chance to know them. And to me, you guys really are family. And um, I'm pretty sure a lot of you can see from the time that you've been subscribed, just how much I try to get to know you guys. And um, it really does mean a lot that you guys support this ministry, just because it is a calling that has been put on my heart from God. And I know that it's, it's going to be a tough calling eventually. Right now, it isn't um, being met with too much hostility and hate, but I know that it is coming because it's the gospel. Um, I know that there are going to be enemies that I have just because of what I have to say about the Bible, and sadly, a lot of those are going to be Christians. Um, but I do feel like having you guys, um, and having your support really motivates me. And yeah, it's definitely exhausting um, sometimes, but it's all worth it, you know, not only to bring glory to God, but also to edify you guys. And then in return, it all edifies me. And to be able to see how certain messages transpire and things that I learn in return and testimonies I get to hear. Uh, I'll be honest, when I started this podcast, I did not expect to go into ministry full time. And it really looks like that's where this is heading, you know, from the time I wake up to the time I go to bed, I am constantly working on this ministry, which I absolutely love. It's just something that I was not expecting. But, you know, things like this, they're really an encouragement. So I definitely want to thank um, Emmy, or I'm sorry, Emma, Lily, and Lola. Um, it really does mean a lot to me. And if you guys are, for whatever, interested in sending me anything, I've actually decided to work on setting up a P.O. box. Again, it really wasn't anything I was expecting, but it's something that I wanted to go ahead and make available. If anybody does want to write to me or anything like that, it's always cool. I think traditional mail has been kind of... Um, downgraded because of the day and age we live in but I personally get super excited when I um 
get to read things and all that. And especially handmade stuff. Like, this is, like, this is stuff that's from the heart. It takes time. It takes effort. It's just, you get to really see what a person thinks about you. Um, because when they're, like, for example, when they're making a card, they're trying to create something that's going to make you smile um, or laugh or something like that. So it you really get to see what you're portraying to others. And it's just awesome that, you know, my faith is something that sticks out to people. Um, as you'll hear in today's podcast, that's something that um, I was very insecure about at one point, that my faith seemed to have died out. Not my faith itself, but the um, fact that people probably didn't even know I was a Christian at one point, and that was very, that, that's disheartening when you are a Christian. You want people to know that your identity is in Christ. So when you fall into the world and your testimony gets shipwrecked because of A, B, and C, it is a little discouraging. But again, thank you. And there is no pressure for anyone to send me anything. The P.O. box will just be there if anybody wants to send me anything. And um, I I purchased the P.O. box. I don't have the number yet, but hopefully next week I will. I have to go to the post office and like fill out some paperwork. But I will put that in the description box below starting next week. Um, but yeah, um, super excited about today's podcast. So one thing I did want to talk about, because it's kind of it's kind of all over right now. And so I'm sure you guys have probably already heard of it. But I want to put my two cents because I don't think people really understand just how evil this is. And this is the Satan Shoes controversy. And if you guys aren't familiar with what I'm talking about, rapper Little Nos, he put, um, he, he just recently did a music video where, um, and I haven't watched the music video. This is just hearsay. So I don't have all the details and I don't care to have all the details. But essentially what uh, the music video entails is apparently he uh, slides down a stripper pole into hell and does all these sexual things with the devil. And as part of this, he is um, selling, well, he already sold these Satan shoes. Um, and basically, there were only 666 pairs. And they are full of all these occult and satanic symbols. There's also a verse that he has from Luke on there. Um, I'm not sure which verse it is. Uh, I think it's Luke 10, 18. Um, I'm not sure at the top of my head, but it's the verse about Satan falling, essentially. And um, he used that verse as the price tag. So each of these shoes are selling over $1,000. And they sold out in under a minute. Now, that's already sick and twisted as it is. He he intentionally did it to um, trigger conservative Christians. And the reason why is because Lil Nas just came out um, as gay. And, you know, so many people out there are sitting there poking their fingers at gay people saying they can't be saved. And then they're shocked when they fall into this evil lifestyle um it's just i 
that's something that we can go in at another time, but I'm absolutely against people closing the door of heaven on anyone. Um, putting anyone beyond God's grace or any sin beyond God's grace is just, that's not your place, first of all. And we are all sinners in need of a savior. But that does not excuse what he has done. And each shoe actually contains one drop of human blood. Now, with these symbols that are being used in this drop of human blood, this is actually paganism. This is evil to its core. This is actually summoning evil spirits. And a lot of people are just going to take it like, yeah, you know, because they don't believe in it. They don't see just how severe that can be. And it's just crazy because that can lead into possession, oppression. It's just, it's wicked to its core. And we definitely need to be cognizant of the times we are living in because the devil is getting very bold. Um, I think he really thinks he's on the winning side of things. And we need to continue to be the salt and light in this world because, you know, it really is, it, it's, it's slipping. Um, it, I mean, it's been slipping ever since the fall of Adam and Eve, but we are just seeing an increase of wickedness and things that we never thought we would see be mainstream. Um, and that's just because the world is just fully submitting to the powers of darkness. So we definitely need to be able to speak out against this. I feel like so many people don't know that they have a voice anymore. And we do. And we need to use it. Um, but we're going to go ahead and segue into the Bible study. Um, so if you do have your Bible, go ahead and get it out. If you don't, don't worry. We will have audio and video clippings for you. Um, also, if you don't have a Bible, you can go ahead and get the link to a free online Bible, or you can download the Bible app through the App Store. And for whatever reason, if you are unable to come across a Bible at all, go ahead and send me an email at revivalistforchrist.gmail.com. We know that the Bible is the absolute source of truth, as well as the home of the gospel that saves. If you have not heard the gospel before, let me go ahead and play something for you real quick. If you have heard the gospel, let this be a beautiful reminder of what our Lord and Savior did for you. This is the gospel message, and I just pray that you will open your heart and let it change your life. We were fearfully and wonderfully made in the image of God to declare his glory and reveal his majesty. The problem is that one of the angels of God wanted to be higher than God himself and therefore this angel was cast out of heaven, becoming the fallen angel, or as we know him, the devil. One day in the Garden of Eden, there was Adam and Eve, the first humans, and the fallen angel appeared to them in the form of a serpent and tempted them to sin against God, and they did, causing mankind to fall. God was angered and he casted Adam and Eve from the garden and told the serpent that he was going to send one who would crush the serpent's head and the serpent would bruise his heel. 
you have to understand that we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, and because of that, we all deserve an eternal separation from God, which is hell. But God loved the world so much that he became man, and that man's name was Jesus Christ. Jesus lived a perfect and sinless life by fulfilling all the requirements of the law in order to become the perfect sacrifice for our sins. He was spat on, mocked, and beaten, and people even gambled over his clothes. He was whipped to the point where his flesh was torn from his body and a crown of thorns was crushed into his skull. He was then forced to carry his cross to the site where he would be nailed to it. Jesus then used his last bit of energy after hanging on the cross for several hours to say, it is finished, and then he commended his spirit to the Father. Jesus was then buried. But three days later, he rose from the grave, conquering sin and death. Don't you see? God passed the law that would cause the Jews to sentence his incarnate form to death. The law was the schoolmaster to lead us to Christ and allow us to see our need for a savior. The law was a shadow of good things to come. The promise came before the law. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. This is our Savior. Now, whosoever believes in Jesus Christ as your Savior by trusting in his life, death, burial, and resurrection will be saved. He will take on your sin, and you will take on his imputed righteousness. This is the love of God, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Call out to him today. Confess him as your Lord. When you trust only in the blood of Jesus Christ to be your salvation from sin, you will be sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise as a down payment of guarantee of eternal life until the day of deliverance. The Holy Spirit is the seed of God which is planted in you by Jesus Christ through faith in him. This is what allows you to be presented before a holy God as blameless. The Holy Spirit then baptizes you into the body of Christ, making you part of the ecclesia, meaning the church or the called out ones. Your heart will be circumcised and you will be sanctified, meaning you will be set apart from your flesh. We are eternally secure in him because he who begins a good work in us will be faithful to complete it. And daily we will work out our salvation with reverent fear and rejoice and trembling as we conform to the image of Jesus Christ. We become disciples of Jesus and that discipleship journey will look different for everyone. So do not compare yourself to other Christians, but only to Jesus Christ because he is the only standard we strive for. Repent today, that is to turn towards Jesus. Do not let man deceive you into thinking that you must drop all your sins before you come to Jesus. Jesus wants you to come just as you are because he came to call the sinners to repentance, not the righteous. Those who are given to him by God and seek him, he shall in no way cast out. Stop clinging on to the branches of religion and instead come to know the true vine, that is Jesus Christ, because without him, there is no victory, there is no deliverance, and there is no healing. We can do nothing without him. He is our savior from the penalty of sin. He is our savior from the power of sin. And eventually he will be our savior from the presence of sin. He himself took on the penalty of 
your sin that you would find forgiveness and redemption from your sin today. He desires a relationship with you, and heaven is waiting to rejoice when you turn to him. Receive the free gift of salvation today through faith in Jesus Christ, and enter through the narrow gate that leads to eternal life with your heavenly Father. Amen. Amen. So let's go ahead and dive into a word of prayer. Father God, I just want to thank you, Lord, for this time where I can come and serve you, Lord. I just want to thank you, Lord, for each and every listener who is tuning in. I just pray that this message will be edifying to them, Lord. I pray that it will encourage them. I pray that they will find strength in whatever trials they may be going through, Lord, and that we can learn how you dealt with trials in today's discussion, Lord. I just pray that you will move the hearts of all the listeners, Lord, and I pray that those who do not know you will come to know you as their Lord and Savior, and I pray that those who do know you will be strengthened in their faith today, Lord. I pray this in your holy and precious name. Amen. All right, guys, let's go ahead and dive into the word and be transformed. Well, guys, I am joined today by a good personal friend of mine. We have Kristen. Kristen, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you for welcoming me. I'm excited. I'm excited. (laughs) (laughs) Me too. It's been, we were talking a little bit, catching up before uh, you came on. Kristen and I actually used to be co-workers, which I do want to talk a little bit about that experience. But before we do... I always begin every podcast by asking my guests, what is your favorite, what is your favorite Bible verse and why does that one mean so much to you? So um, I shared with you before we started that it was uh, a verse in the book of James chapter one, verse 12. Um, since I can't go back to it, essentially blessed are those who endure those trial, uh, endure trials um, for they will be blessed. So I tried to, you know, break it down as best as I could, you know, capsize that for you guys. But um, basically, I feel like that verse just speaks to so many people. I shared it on social media a year ago, and then it showed up again because social media loves to do that. But it hit right at this at such a good time because as we're transitioning right now during this season and everything that's transpired during the pandemic, I feel like so many people can relate to that verse. especially those that are in the waiting or have been waiting and continue to abide by God's word and, and just waiting for their next step um, in life and, or in their season. So that yeah. one kind of spoke to me. I like that. And it's like, we had like a full conversation about this first before even hopping on the podcast. And it's like, I said at that time that, you know, James, I really enjoyed because it really is one of those go-to books to really show what it means to go through persecution or hard times and how to endure for the sake of the kingdom and how to bring glory to God in those times. So Mm -hmm. I think that's a beautiful verse. Mm -hmm. So for as long as I have known you, for some reason, this is a conversation that's never come up, but 
how exactly were you saved? Tell me a little bit about your testimony. So I grew up in a Catholic church background, um, baptized Catholic. I attended services in Puerto Rico because I'm originally from Puerto Rico. Um, but when I moved to the States, I really didn't have a relationship with God. It was more of the opposite um, in my upbringing. It was more like, you don't need to go to church to believe in, in God. And God wasn't really even spoken of in the household. So I was saved in 2015. I remember I um, had just gotten engaged. I already had my son in 2018, but we had gotten engaged and we were getting ready to get married. And I really wanted to have a, a God-centered marriage and relationship and just just a whole unity with my family. And um, I was really struggling with that. And one day, as crazy as it sounds, I was driving on the highway and I saw this church and the church was right by the expressway that I was taking to go home every day. And I literally can, literally can feel the Holy Spirit telling me here, come here. And I went to the church that I'm still a member of that I attend now. And I went with my son and my niece and I haven't stopped. I've never, I haven't stopped since in 2014. So I gave my life to Christ in 2015 and I was baptized. And ever since then, it's, it's been a battle. Honestly, it has not been rainbows and butterflies and unicorns and things like that. But I can say that God's love is so overwhelming. It's, it really just like wrecks me, honestly, especially right now in this season, his love is so abundant. And when you abide and you just keep enduring and staying and waiting in the, in, in the waiting, just being impatient in the waiting, um, his, his love is just like unending. I, I can't even explain it. No, that's amazing. I had no yeah. idea you were raised, um, Catholic because mm -hmm. I don't think a lot of people realize this. Um, I personally, in my work with apologetics, I have done a lot of research with Roman Catholicism and a lot of people don't understand that um, it was in the 300s when Constantine mixed church and state that they essentially brought all these pagan religions and mixed it with Christianity. And mm -hmm. um, you don't really have Christianity and Roman Catholicism. I'm not saying that there aren't people who are saved, but they're definitely not saved because of their false teachings. They're more so saved in spite of them. And it really is a very religious system that doesn't really foster uh, closeness with God. So mm -hmm. very interesting. Mm -hmm. But that's one thing that definitely comes off very naturally to you is your zeal for the Lord. I remember when we first started working together, I was actually sitting right next to you. And I think it was like our first day of training when we were going around saying our names and introducing and we had to give like a fun fact. And you stood up in front of this group of what was it 1520 people who you did not know. And you're like, you know, Jesus is our Lord and Savior. And I'm just like, I felt so convicted in that moment because I had kind of, during that season of my life, as you know, um, kind of had drifted from the Lord in my walk just because so much had piled on. And I kind of felt that fellowship 
dwindle. And I'm just like, man, there was a time in my life where I would do the same. But why don't you mm-hmm. tell me a little bit about the power of um, that zeal and why it's important, you know, when you're introducing yourself, that's one of the very first things that you say. Um, my gosh, I remember just starting when we both started working um, at that company together and I didn't know anyone and I had just gone through such a bitter season of struggle, honestly. 2018 for me was um, in a sense a really good year and I thought it was fantastic. It ended on a high note. I was already preparing for 2019 and you know, I just felt like so accomplished and such a boss, babe, or whatever. And then I, you know, the rug got pulled underneath me. I was idolizing just things that were not of God. I had put God below the, you know, and idolized something completely different and everything shifted that quickly for me. So, um, my season of 2019, I went through a lot of struggle, but I leaned so much into the word um, because I felt so broken and so lost that I needed to, I needed God. I needed to feed myself in the word. I needed the, you know, I needed to quench that thirst that I fasted all of 2019 in January, just wanting his voice, just wanting to hear his voice. So persevering all through 2019 and struggling. Um, I knew that my walk with God was so strong and I wasn't afraid to share my testimony and share just all the blessings that he had given me, even though that season was still hard, I was still, you know, alive and I was still able to make things happen for myself. And then when that opportunity came to me, as far as like our job and um, being put into that role, it could have not had happened, be, you know, without his, with his love. Like I was blessed with that opportunity that I wasn't going to let my faith or my walk with Christ take the second seat or the passenger seat in that ride. It was going to be in, in the driver's seat, essentially. Nice. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing that I really admired about you is like when, and we were talking about this too, when you were coming on, um, you would be sitting at your desk and you would have all these Bible verses surrounding you all day long in your little cubicle, if you will. Why was it important to have those daily reminders? And what would you say to the individual who goes to work and is afraid to be bold in their faith? Because you know, you know, the people that we were often sitting by were very cynical um, Mm, in terms, yeah, in terms of their um, lack of faith, I guess they, they mm-hmm. kind of mocked God. So mm-hmm. being in an environment like that and being so bold in your faith, I'm curious, first of all, why it was important to be surrounded like that, but also what would you say to other people who feel like they can't be as bold in their faith? I think for anyone who has that feeling that they are, not able to do something like that. Don't be afraid. Don't walk in fear because those are feelings that are not of God. That's straight from Satan and they don't have a place, but in hell, they don't belong in, in your space, in your dwelling, in your workspace, in your car, anything like that. So 
for me, I know that during my fast, I covered myself in the Holy Prayer. So every room had the Holy Prayer written out um, in the bathroom, in the kitchen, everywhere. My son even learned it as well as we were, you know, going to bed at night. So I knew that if I distanced myself from scripture, I could easily slip and go down a slippery slope of just doing things that I shouldn't be doing as far as looking for acceptance or um, human affirmations rather than spiritual affirmations. So I think that I don't, I can't say or say for or speak for everyone, but sometimes we adapt or we try to adjust to our surroundings to be accepted. And I knew at that point, I wasn't going to allow myself to be in that kind of um, mindset. And the only way I could do that is by covering myself in the word. And I kind of wanted to stand out. I kind of just wanted to be myself because I really did feel like I could be myself there in that environment. And other people saw that. And I think one of the gratifying things for me was seeing them come to my cubicle when they felt overwhelmed or needed some kind of peace or something to bring them back, some stability, and they would lean into those index cards filled with scripture. So I felt like I was, I was doing what I was supposed to be doing. That's awesome. Actually, <laughs> one of my favorite index cards that you have, because our job was very incentive prone. Um, it was a sales related job with a lot of, I would say at times, depending on who was on the um, agent and could be a very shady dealing. It was very mm -hmm. easy to kind of, um, as with all sales jobs, kind of get into that snaky territory. And on your computer, you had a verse. I cannot remember which verse it was, <laughs> but it was one that had to do with not giving into greed. And I'm like, Wow, what a powerful reminder. And that's the one that sticks out right there. And I think it's important to have those kind of reminders, like, who am I bringing glory to? You know, you can't yes. serve two masters. It's either God or money. So yeah. I thought that was pretty awesome. Now, there's one thing that I have to ask about, because I've never even had the chance to ask you this question. <laughs> Slightly before we were laid off and the pandemic had just started breaking out, we kind of got sectioned off in a weird way. So uh, you and I actually got um, placed close together, if you will. Yeah. And one thing I remember, and it, it was amazing to have downtime to actually talk to people around you because... Right weren't calling in due to the type of business we were working for but you and I remember, we were so good at our job that we just handled all of those calls like bosses right? <laughs> <laughs> that we had it's, that downtime it's so true know? it's so true <laughs> so but I remember there was one day that you just turned around and you asked me Jordan, is there anything I can pray for you about? And I told you, you know, I just feel like the fire for my faith died out. And that's something I really miss. Who would have thought, you know, a year later, here I am on fire again. Mm -hmm. And um, 
full-time ministry. I would not have seen that coming a year ago. But I'm curious, what made your you prayer? Ask? Your prayer is actually in one of my notebooks. I have really? a book bag. Yeah, I have a book bag filled with just all of my old belongings from from that time. And in that notebook, I have prayers for everyone that I had asked for, you know, that responded. Um, so your your prayers in there, you know, I wrote it out. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> well, obviously, I mean, it was heard and received. And for some reason, that had always stuck out to me. And it's one of those moments that I see as the catalyst back to my faith, because there were certain signs present kind of in the midst of this very dark season. So yeah. I'm wondering, was there a certain calling that day? Or what about that moment? After all the time that we had worked together, it was that moment that you decided to ask? Um, I think I know that I asked you when we were put closer together, right? Yeah, I think there was so much there was so much gossip going on between those walls in that environment where it needed to be just stopped because we were not putting our faith in God. And it's tough in a work environment because you can't walk so boldly and freely and, you know, talk about it, you know, but the way that I was just able to leave little like nuggets throughout my cubicle still brought his glory. I just felt that in my journey in 2019, it was more of a journey of being there for others. I was so selfish. I felt like in 2018, it was more about self, 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 self. And it's like, no, God, make me a strong, a stronger prayer warrior. Let me Pray for others as well, because that is so important. Everyone needs a covering. Um, Everyone needs prayer, even if they don't, you know, respond. And it's okay if they don't say they need anything. That's fine. But I just wanted to make sure that the people that I was around or I was surrounding myself with were covered, you know. So um, for me, it was just like, what's the worst that can happen? They're going to say no. Okay. <laughs> right. Well, uh, what I find so interesting, and it was probably one of my favorite conversations that I ever had while working there. It, it was in that same conversation that we just went back and forth with this very edifying conversation. Because I don't think it was surprising for others that were around, um, which one of which was Kristen, if you guys remember her, or I'm sorry, Crystal, you're Kristen. Guys, you don't understand <laughs> how many K's I was working with. <laughs> but one of which so was, many. I know. <laughs> it's, Can we just little... add one more? Because that three makes it sound so bad. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> but um, Crystal, I actually had her on, um, goodness, it was probably like my second podcast. really yeah yeah so that was exciting but I it was nice to kind of be able to speak so boldly something I hadn't done in a while and be so transparent um but and I it wasn't a surprise to people around that you were a believer but I think it might have been shocking that some people 
would think that I would be a believer, which is Mm -hmm. one of the most troublesome things that Mm -hmm. I had to deal with. It's like, that's so sad that people probably didn't even know I was a Christian because of how I was conducting myself. And um, I do think that's why it's important to be bold in your faith, because you never know who is straying in their walk and how those conversations can bring them back thought that would be a very powerful testimony to start with for anybody who is either l- astray in their walk right now or if they're not and they're very bold think of those who are around you who may be astray because you never know what could mm-hmm. happen you really definitely did keep me on my toes because even in that season it it I needed to make that leap and walk boldly in my faith and make sure that I wasn't making life centered to self and, and more rather than serve, you know, and, and serve by being in community and connecting with others and um, being in community and being transparent and sharing, you know, the real, the real truth, the real struggles that we go through, um, because social media and culture has done a really good job at sugarcoating and covering so much. Mm -hmm. Um, so being able to share that season with you and have you be so open and it was refreshing because here you are and you're based, you're, you're telling me and you're late, you're, you know, peeling back all these layers and asking me and inquiring. And it just helped me even, go like walk stronger in my faith as well, because it was more like, here's God showing me, okay, be a vessel, you know, share my truth with others and, um, just don't be afraid, you know? So I, for me, it was really refreshing that I was able to connect with you, like on that level, like that during our time together. It really was. And here Mm -hmm. we are a year later. (laughs) I know. (laughs) So today we are going to get into a whole other level of deep diving together as we get into the word and today we're going to be talking a lot about this theme of trial so when you Mm. just hear that word trial what do you think of gosh it's funny because it's it's mentioned in the verse um in the the book of james you know chapter one verse 12 um enduring trials so um for me, trial does mean a season of discomfort and growth um, also. So I think there, there needs to be an understanding that if you're uncomfortable, something is working in, within you and it's going to make you stronger and it's not comfortable right now, but it's not supposed to be. Yeah. Do you feel that Christians today understand what it means to endure in the face of trial? Um, everyone's walk is different, honestly. Um, I think we could sit here and say what we need to do, but we're such a fast moving society and generation that we can easily say it right now and walk out the door and it'll completely just blow over. And again, we're trying to gain control of everything and trying to make things happen in your terms at your time. Um, at the pace that you want rather than allowing God to be in full control and letting that trial run its course um, with him in full control. Oh, that's, 
that's so true very powerful mm-hmm. and insightful because you know we live in this what i call microwave popcorn age where we just want everything instant gratification but mm-hmm. we're going to see in today like just even though we desire control sometimes it's just not attainable in even in situations that seem like it's so out of control that even god may have lost control he really mm-hmm. is in control. So mm-hmm. we're going to start with the account of Jesus being arrested. So go mm-hmm. ahead and take a listen. And while he yet spake, behold, a multitude. And he that was called Judas, one of the twelve, went before them and drew near unto Jesus to kiss him. But Jesus said unto him, Judas, betrayest thou the Son of Man with a kiss? When they which were about him saw what would follow, they said unto him, Lord, shall we smite with the sword? And one of them smote the servant of the high priest, and cut off his right ear. And Jesus answered and said, Suffer ye thus far. And he touched his ear, and healed him. Then Jesus said unto the chief priests, and captains of the temple, and the elders which were come to him, Be ye come out as against a thief, with swords and staves? When I was daily with you in the temple, ye stretched forth no hands against me. But this is your hour and the power of darkness. All right. So the one thing we see here is Judas betrays Jesus with a kiss. And something that sticks out immediately to me is historically, you know, a kiss on a cheek is something that is supposed to illustrates such respect and reverence. So what do you make of that, that very um, manipulative and uh, deceitful action? Yeah, um, you know, being betrayed in such a, that's a, such a cruel way, honestly, because the significance of exchanging a kiss in that manner in those times meant that you, um, for me, I feel like it meant you really respected that person and um, you held them high in a high level. And to think that um, that was his way of letting the garments know that this is who you need to take away um, just shows the level of just the level of the level of Judas, essentially how low he went um, to do that to Jesus. Yeah. But Jesus knew all along. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, I mean, he knew all along. It's just absolutely crazy. And Jesus even confronted him before he left to do it. And it, re- like you said, that's very low, very, very mm-hmm. low. Um, but one thing that also sticks out to me in this account is when one of the guards have their ear cut off. And Jesus basically says, no like that's not right and he heals the guard's ear i feel this is what separates jesus even if you don't want to acknowledge his deity or accept him as your lord and savior when you compare jesus and his conduct to any of these other so-called prophets or what i Mm -hmm. like to call lowercase g's um he definitely is very different I mean, here he is being taken away in handcuffs and at the same time healing those who are doing so. What mm-hmm. do you make of that? Um, 
it just shows the level of character that Jesus was. The fact that he healed that guardsman after, you know, suffering, having his ear cut off and allowing them to still take him away. He knew, he knew what was going on and he needed it to work out in the plan that it was made to, you know, how it was supposed to be executed essentially. So um, for me, like for him being so truthful and stopping them and telling them, no, you can't hurt this guardsman. It's basically saying you're just stooping down to the level that they're, that they're at. Whereas, whereas like I'm up here and I'm willing to forgive you because I'm going to die for all of you. You guys are going to get to live, you know, your sins are forgiven for his death. Yeah. That's actually, it's so true. And I like to play this game in my head where I'm just trying to figure out what these people must be thinking in their situations all throughout the Bible. And when I come across characters like this, the guard who essentially starts by arresting Jesus, has his ear cut off, and then Jesus heals him, and then he has to continue with the arrest. What is going on in his mm-hmm. mind? Yeah. What is he thinking? I'm sure in his mind, he knows that this is the Messiah and he has healed me. And you still have to go through and carry him as a prisoner. I would hope that he would know that in the end, he, 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 he did what he needed to do. You know, because I'm, I'm sure he's asked for that forgiveness and he was forgiven. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, I would hope so. I would hope that a lot of the Jewish people that time after the course of their actions repented, um, which we know quite a bit of them did from the book of Acts. But we also know that the nation as a whole um, kind of turned their back. Well, did turn their back on Jesus, mm-hmm. which is great for us because, you know, the grace fell on the Gentiles to provoke the Jewish nation to jealousy, like it says in scripture. Mm-hmm. Um, something else that I wonder, because we see the disciples flee in this scenario, and we know that we are disciples of Jesus, and I think there's this constant um, talk, especially in these days, that Christians are about to undergo some type of persecution in one way or another. Um, I know that in trying times all throughout history uh christians have had this similar mindset as well that this is the absolute end but regardless of what persecution we are met with how do you feel that we as disciples can equip ourselves in a way that when tribulation does come we do not flee i think that when you're faced with trials or tribulations all the more reason to be so heavenly like immersed in scripture and in the word of God, because there's going to be a lot of false prophets out there prophesizing and saying things that are untrue and mass confusion. And the truth is in that book and that in, in God's, in that love story, essentially, you know, and it's important that even in the good seasons, you're still abiding and still saturating yourself in the word um because 
you know, it, you deserve, you deserve, you, regardless if, if, regardless if it's deserved or not, you must continue to give that glory back to him. And when you forget to do that in those good times, it's like you're idolizing whatever good is going on in that season instead of appreciating the Lord. Yeah, absolutely. And a little bit later, we're going to see how even one of the inner circle uh, disciples kind of just denied Jesus. So, but I, I agree, you know, if the more you expose yourself to God in his word and feel, um, be filled with the Holy Spirit and immerse yourself in his presence, the more equipped you're going to be. Whereas mm-hmm. the more you kind of fall back into the world, the easier it is to submit to the world, in my opinion. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So. And it can happen so quickly. It can, mm-hmm. it can like that. And that's why it's so important. And I think it's hard. It's hard. And I think as Christians, you need to be honest and be transparent about that, that it is a struggle. And it's an everyday it's every day. It's an everyday life, you know, being able to spend that devotional time before you proceed doing with anything else. Um, and then when you are experiencing any tribulations, that's the time where you need to stop what you're doing, get on your knees and start praying and reflecting and getting in the word. Cause if not, it's just gonna, um, you're going to unravel in that in the best of ways, honestly, if you lean back into culture and things of this world. Absolutely. And it's terrifying how I know that when I was going through my season, um, you know, it was just like I woke up one day and I was like, how did I get here? Mm-hmm. And thankfully, the grace of God, like, woke me up to what was going on in my life. But absolutely. It's like you said it happened so fast. But at the same time, it's also like such a slow fade that you can't even see. It. It's like you're watching yourself slowly like bringing yourself it's like you're seeing yourself but you're seeing self go through Mm self-destruction and you're not stopping it it's like almost like you want to see what happens but it comes to a point where you just hear the holy spirit tell you it almost stops you it grabs you and it stops you and that's where you're you're just tired you're sick and tired of being in that place (laughs) you're ready for change you feel like you're ready for something new um you know you kind of pull out of that that skin you're ready for change yeah no that's a great illustration (laughs) so this next part that we are going to look at is when jesus is on trial we're actually going to start by looking at his jewish trials so go ahead and take a listen and the men that held jesus mocked him and smote him And when they had blindfolded him, they struck him on the face and asked him, saying, Prophesy, who is it that smote thee? And many other things blasphemously spake they against him. And as soon as it was day, the elders of the people and the chief priests and the scribes came together and led him into their council, saying, Art thou the Christ? Tell us. And he said unto them, If I tell you, ye will not believe. And if I also ask you, ye will not answer me, nor let me go. Hereafter shall the Son of Man sit on the right hand of the power of God. Then said they all, Art thou then the Son of God? And he said unto them, Ye say that I am. And they said, What need we any further witness? For we ourselves have heard of his own mouth. So we see Jesus go through this very complex Jewish 
trial system. Um, he, essentially, he has three trials before he even makes it to the Romans. And, you know, the first one is this preliminary trial with the former high priest. Then he has a trial with the high priest where uh, he gets charged with blasphemy. And then the next day he stands before the Sanhedrin and they kind of confirm his sentence. What I'm curious about is through these trials, they kept trying to supply false witnesses mm -hmm. and they couldn't get any of their stories to align, which honestly, if you're going to be some kind of master conspirator, you would think that, mm -hmm. <laughs> I don't know, yeah. maybe, maybe get your witnesses in line, but only two slightly aligned. And that was when they misquoted something Jesus said, where they basically said, Jesus threatened that he was going to destroy the temple he, God's temple and knock it down or build it up in three days which was a complete uh, manipulation of something that he actually said so what do you make of the fact that these are supposed to be God's people God's chosen people and they are just running this very corrupt violent deceitful uh, trial if you will um, honestly, when I read that, when I read those verses, um, it just like back and forth, they went back and forth, one judge back to the other judge, no one wanted to really, um, sentence or, or sent to uh, put a charge on Jesus and thinking about it, it just, it was so, it's such a mess. What a mess. You're going from one court to another court and no one can can really charge you and then they're placing all of these lies um to try to get like a valid conviction on you and nothing is really sticking um honestly for me like when I think about that I just think like it's what a mess no, what a it, sloppy mess it really is and it's funny that they're charging him here with blasphemy but then when they take him before the Roman Empire they change their tune and say that, well, he's making himself a king. So then they lie to the Roman Empire, too, about, mm -hmm. you know, what what we actually think the concern is. It's very clear that they just wanted him dead, which, well, oh, gosh, I can't even count the number of things that they violated. But the big one there is they had somebody killed during the season of the feast. Um, we know that the Passover was happening. So it's just absolute craziness, like you said. But Jesus, the Messiah, blameless, God incarnate, is being charged with blasphemy here. How do you feel that kind of correlates to people who have the true gospel and are kind of deemed heretics as a result of hailing the truth today? Honestly, I think that... Uh... Now, I wouldn't want to, I wouldn't want to even entertain it. I wouldn't entertain it because I know in my heart, it's true. Um, as far as the word and what I share um, and bringing others back to Christ, I think that you, you can't sugarcoat a lot of things. There's a lot of things that you need to um, try to um, give to God and also 
living a godly life or a righteous life. Um, so to those who might say that my word or whatever, you know, my walk with Christ isn't untrue. It's not true. Oh man. I, to me, I just reflect back on, on Jesus and all the things he, he had to endure with everyone, not really believing anything that he was saying, um, considering him a fraud and just wanting to, um, you know, end him. Yeah. Um, I, I'm fortunate and I'm grateful that I'm able to just not entertain things like that with other people. You know, I just would not entertain it because <laughs> I know that, you know, my justification comes from Christ. And I know that I will try to honor him every single day in my life and try to lead others back to him, you know, yeah. by just being as graceful and as kind as I can be <laughs> as every single day. Yeah, no, I feel like there's such anxiety when you don't rest in the simplicity of the gospel and you try to take your salvation upon yourself because mm -hmm. there's no way we can do it. So you're either incredibly deceived <laughs> and you don't mm -hmm. understand the complexity and depth of your sin or you're just miserable all the time because you realize there's absolutely nothing you can do to keep or maintain your salvation. But... And that's true. I think that, um, you know, as a Christian and not, a, not doing certain things or just involving yourself in certain things in this culture now is really difficult. And it feels like it's an end all, you know, it's either, you're, you know, take it or leave it kind of lifestyle. And I think that you can surround yourself in, commu in community with the right people that can keep, keep you accountable and, um, and still experience all the richness that is from Christ. Um, but we are so of the flesh and we are so, you know, easily tempted. And there's so many things that are so sensory overload for us. So it's so easy for us to just give up so quickly and um, allow that kind of sinful nature to take over um, for us. So yeah, as a Christian, it is, it is an everyday um, commitment to yourself and, and to God that you're gonna, you know, abide in his truth and try to fill yourself with the word so that you can be, you know, hope, a hope for others as well. Um, because whoever is dealing with, you know, a trial or an issue um, needs, needs that, that, that help or that comfort. So. Yeah. Like, that's my truth. <laughs> <laughs> that's my truth. The awesome. more, you know, a shooting star the more you know yeah <laughs> so this next section we are going to look at is when jesus is actually handed over and presented to the roman empire so go ahead and take a listen and the whole multitude of them arose and led him unto pilate and they began to accuse him saying we found this fellow perverting the nation and forbidding to give tribute to caesar saying that he himself is christ a king and Pilate asked him, saying, Art thou the king of the Jews? And he answered him and said, Thou sayest it. Then said Pilate to the chief priests and to the people, I find no fault in this man. And they were the more fierce, saying, He stirreth up the people, teaching throughout all Jewry, beginning from Galilee to this place. When Pilate heard of Galilee, he asked whether the man were a Galilean. 
And as soon as he knew that he belonged unto Herod's jurisdiction, he sent him to Herod, who himself also was at Jerusalem at that time. And when Herod saw Jesus, he was exceeding glad, for he was desirous to see him of a long season, because he had heard many things of him, and he hoped to have seen some miracle done by him. Then he questioned with him in many words, but he answered him nothing. And the chief priests and scribes stood and vehemently accused him. And Herod, with his men of war, set him at naught and mocked him, and arrayed him in a gorgeous robe, and sent him again to Pilate. And the same day Pilate and Herod were made friends together, for before they were at enmity between themselves. And Pilate, when he had called together the chief priests and the rulers and the people, said unto them, Ye have brought this man unto me as one that perverteth the people. And behold, I, having examined him before you, have found no fault in this man touching those things whereof ye accuse him. No, nor yet Herod, for I sent you to him. And lo, nothing worthy of death is done unto him. I will therefore chastise him and release him. For of necessity he must release one unto them at the feast. And they cried out all at once, saying, Away with this man, and release unto us Barabbas, who for a certain sedition made in the city, and for murder was cast into prison. Pilate therefore, willing to release Jesus, spake again to them. But they cried, saying, Crucify him, crucify him. And he said unto them the third time, Why, what evil hath he done? I have found no cause of death in him. I will therefore chastise him and let him go. And they were instant with loud voices requiring that he might be crucified. And the voices of them and of the chief priests prevailed. And Pilate gave sentence that it should be as they required. And he released unto them him that for sedition and murder was cast into prison whom they had desired, but he delivered Jesus to their will. So when Jesus is presented to the Roman Empire, first we see him presented to Pilate, and Pilate's like, I don't see any fault here. Even though they claim that Jesus was going to be some kind of usurper to Rome, um, because the Roman Empire definitely knew about the Jewish Messiah, and the Jews kind of had this... Uh, folklore or narrative that the Messiah was coming to overthrow Rome. So they knew of the Messiah. So using that knowledge, they kind of were trying to get in the ear of these leaders. But even Pilate's like, I, I don't see anything wrong. And mm -hmm. once he realizes Jesus was a Galilean, he sends him off to Herod, who was the... Um, the Galilean ruler, and he's kind of like, oh, I, I've, I've been wanting to meet you. I've heard so much about you. And he kind mm -hmm. of like publicly mocks and shames him, um, but then sends him back to Pilate. And... Yeah, it's like handing him back and forth. It's like, <laughs> what a mess. What are y'all doing? Right. It's absolutely insane. So why do you think it is that these secular leaders couldn't find fault or were not um, in a state of fear of Jesus being some kind of usurper. I think they, a lot of greed, maybe they felt un, um, unattainable, un, like no one could reach the level that they were at. So mm. I don't, do you understand what I'm saying? I don't think that they um, 
really considered the power that came from Jesus. Um, I think they were just, you know, in their own, their own greed, their own judgment, um, just everything that they might've thought of there, you know, can't possibly be true. My, my thoughts are true. And what I say is true. Um, I don't think they, mm -hmm. I, I feel like that's actually a really good point because, I mean, obviously they're not Jewish for a reason, so they didn't really believe a lot of these things. But I also think there might have been a fear, especially in Pilate. We see Pilate's very hesitant. And mm-hmm. like he, he didn't even do anything to publicly uh, humiliate him like Herod did. But mm-hmm. I think there's kind of this tension of like, how do I handle myself politically? Because we know that if I do anything to kill this man, there's going to be a huge uprising of his followers. Um, however, if I don't do anything, there's going to be this uprising from this other crowd of Jews. So in this balancing act, he kind of gives them an option like, okay, well, I can either have this man put to death and release this this murderer onto you guys, Barnabas, or, you know, I can keep Barnabas in chains and release Jesus out to, or just release Jesus here. And you would think from a rational point of mind, well, we don't want a murderer out among us. We'll, we'll take this person who we perceive as preaching heresy, Um, But again, with the religious leaders and all their pride and how Jesus brought a lot of questions to their authority, is it, does it, how do I want to put this? How do you feel that people can get to that level where their pride outweighs the danger they could be putting themselves in? Say that again. (laughs) Yeah, I know. That was like a really winded way. But, you know, essentially, they were willing to have a murderer released onto their general public just for the sake that they wouldn't have somebody there to question their authority. Mm -hmm. They were willing to unleash this great danger to their public population. But at least they could keep their authority. So what do you make of that? I think that they didn't want to give up the life of sin that they were living, that they didn't want to change their lifestyle. So they knew that if um, they allowed that, essentially that murderer um, to roam free, that they could still continue to live the lifestyle that they wanted, essentially continue to live in sin and, and, um, you know, remove jesus i guess as a traitor um he's not true he's not honest he's you know um i guess you know all the false claims that they made against him were just made in the sense so they could continue to live in a in a life that they was self-destructive yeah essentially so um a lot of pride and greed i just think that you know when you have those things ahead of you. It blindsides you. It blinds um, your inhibitions and your control. Um, there's nothing that you really can do. You think you have to hit a certain point where you just hit that rock bottom after, you know, having all that pre- pride and greed. Um, 
man, it's such a bad, I mean, pride and greed is such a bad thing. It and to really see, is. and to see these, you know, these judges and these rulers just be so consumed with it that they were willing to do whatever it took to, to eliminate the truth. It's yeah. Jesus at all costs so that they can continue to live in the life that they wanted to. And it's so funny that you use the word sin because of course them being these self-righteous Pharisees, they don't think they're living in any kind of sin. They mm-hmm. think they're the holiest. Above it. Yeah. So who is this man to come and tell us that we're sinful? We're, we're great. And yet they're closing the gates of heaven on so many people. And I feel we have modern day Pharisees amongst us, all these Mm -hmm. super religious people that are just closing the gates of heaven on people like, oh, actually, your sin is too bad. You sorry, that one's not going to make it into the heaven. You can't be forgiven of that one. And it's just crazy how Mm -hmm. self-righteous people are. But Mm -hmm. something that I heard Quite a few years ago, I believe it was in a sermon, but I can't even think of who said it or where I heard it. But an interesting point was made that many of these people who are shouting and screaming for Jesus to be put to death were the same people who just days prior were saying Hosanna upon his triumphant Mm. entry. So what do you make of that? Oh, my gosh. I feel like those same people the same people that sat there and said, you know, end him, take him. He's a sinner, a liar, false. Were the same ones that fell to their knees and asked for forgiveness, you know, in that sense. Um, my gosh, I think that there's some, they didn't know that they, they didn't know any better. Quite honestly. They you were think kind of like false. a veil was put over their eye. Mm-hmm. They were fed such false truths mm. that um, it it just kind of overpowered everything else for them. I feel yeah. that. I feel like there was such a mixture of things. I feel like they, you know, between these religious leaders being so deceptive and manipulative and being like, well, you guys know that we're right. And then... Mm-hmm. I think many of them would have been faithful beyond that point, but we know that many left Jesus during the last supper when he said that you have to eat my body and drink my blood. And they were like, Whoa, mm-hmm. like, okay. Who? Mm-hmm. And they almost viewed him as if he snapped or they kind of saw through it. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's, it's very interesting. Very interesting. Yeah. It's interesting to see because so many followed and continued and worshiped him. But when it came to that point, they were afraid mm-hmm. and they had fear and they turned away and couldn't believe like everything that was unfolding in front of them. It was almost like it was actually a true fear. It's the same fear that you, I guess, you would have knowing that, you know, the time is end times are coming and you're living if you're living a life of sin and you don't know what to do and you're just like oh my gosh the end is near this is true I can't believe it it's almost like it was too too real for them to actually grasp and and believe and that's why you know they fled because they're you know to me it feels like oh my gosh this is really this is really true he's really the messiah um 
you know, and to others, like you said, could be like, oh my gosh, he's crazy. This guy's unraveling right before us. We need to get away. Do you think that fear, (laughs) (laughs) do you think that fear is primary? Because I honestly, you know, when I'm looking at that crowd, that's something that didn't even pop in my head that, oh, there's fear there. Do you think that fear came from the fact that, you know, we don't know how the Roman Empire is going to um, take to this quote-unquote usurper, and now we don't even know if he really is who he claims to be. Ooh. Yeah, that, that's a deep thought. That's a deep thought. <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> that's just something that I thought about when you um, were talking about fear, but definitely interesting yeah Yeah, Um, it opens up a lot of questions as far as like what were they all thinking about right my dog got into something forgive me my dog (laughs) we love a puppy appearance yeah (laughs) so this next account (laughs) so this next account we're gonna look at is where peter actually denies knowing jesus three Mm. times So let's go ahead and take a listen. Then took they him and led him, and brought him into the high priest's house. And Peter followed afar off. And when they had kindled a fire in the midst of the hall, and were set down together, Peter sat down among them. But a certain maid beheld him as he sat by the fire, and earnestly looked upon him, and said, This man was also with him. And he denied him, saying, Woman, I know him not. And after a little while another saw him, and said, Thou art also of them. And Peter said, Man, I am not. And about the space of one hour after, another confidently affirmed, saying, Of a truth, this fellow also was with him, for he is a Galilean. And Peter said, Man, I know not what thou sayest. And immediately, while he yet spake, the cock crew. And the Lord turned and looked upon Peter. And Peter remembered the word of the Lord, how he had said unto him, Before the cock crow, thou shalt deny me thrice. And Peter went out and wept bitterly. So, with Peter here, we see that he denies his master, his Lord and Savior, somebody who he loves and admires very much three times. And before we went to this scripture, we were kind of talking about the fact that, you know, fear can kind of consume us. So mm-hmm. what, what do you feel led into Peter denying Jesus? Um, I, for me, I, there was a lot of, I think the fear for Peter also had an underlying, oh my gosh, how do I even say it? He was, wasn't he propositioned in that sense? You know, we'll let you go. We'll let you live. And well, if I, you were... I feel like 
it's something he perceived that his life could have been in danger. And mm-hmm. I think in a sense, like, you know, any of the ones that were affiliated with Jesus, they could have been taken captive too. But it mm-hmm. seems like, I mean, when you look at the people who approached him, I mean, one of which was just this woman who was just a regular civilian. And he's like, no, no, that's not me. So I think he was afraid of possible persecution, but mm-hmm. there was no immediate threat of on him i feel like he didn't really fully believe didn't fully believe really in that sense. yeah because he denied him and if you believe in the afterlife and everything that he had said or shared with amongst all the disciples you would think that it would hold truth and he didn't truthfully trust he didn't trust in everything i feel like i think he was like walking in and out do you do you agree do well, you think I, i'm making sense <laughs> no because you bring that up and it's actually interesting because the more we surround ourselves with people who are very doubtful either as whether they are doubtful in jesus to begin with or whether they're doubtful in their walk that doubt is somewhat contagious so is an interesting Judas being a Judas being one of them as well. You have a lot of self-doubt. You have a lot of people in within that circle self-doubting you, self-doubting themselves, second guessing things and, you know, wondering what holds, you know, validity, I guess you could say, or valid truthfulness behind it. So, yeah, you know, he did have a few bad apples. Yeah, no, it's true. And this is something I always allude to, because essentially, you know, that's what we all are today, our disciples of Jesus. And this is what I talk about when um, I tell people everybody's discipleship journey is going to look different. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, here's one of the inner circle disciples denying Jesus three times. Um, I'm just trying to think if I'm Peter and you know, it is, it's a very confusing environment. It's something that even though Jesus talked several times throughout his ministry of this impending doom that was coming to him for the greater good, um, it still wasn't something they were able to fathom. So if you're Peter, what's kind of going through your mind? Because this is almost like a severe faith crisis. Yeah, it's like a, a faith crisis. It's like, do I deny him so I get to live? I want to live. I don't want to die. I don't want to suffer. But here is Jesus already fully prepared and aware that he is going to die. He, you know, and he's going to endure so much suffering for our, for our greater good, you know? So I think, I think there's a level, there's a level of fear you're running away. You're trying to save yourself. It was almost like um, every man for himself. Yeah. And we know from church history that um, the only disciple that wasn't persecuted and killed for their faith was John. Um, So we know that Peter did eventually end up dying for his faith. And I think that speaks to the power of the Holy Spirit and the assurance of salvation. Because up to this point, you know, when you let doubt surround you, and I know I've been there myself, um, 
where things are just so much darker and scarier when you place doubt, whether that doubt is, you know, in, in a sense, anytime we doubt um, ourselves, we are kind of doubting God because we're basically saying like, I'm putting trust in myself and I know yep. I can't do it. And it's like, yep. well, what happened to trusting God and what he could do? <laughs> so I think we see something very beautiful happen. Um, but this is the power of the gospel. The hope is in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. So even though people can argue and they can act like they would have been the best disciple ever and they wouldn't have denied Jesus, the hope and assurance of our salvation lies in the resurrection and that's why G- or that's why peter could be sure jesus was who he said he was mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. yeah so yeah, we're going to look thank you <laughs> so this next account we're going to look at is another disciple who almost had a completely different outcome. Well, he did. So we are going to look at the account of Judas when he hung himself. So go ahead and take a listen. Then Judas, which had betrayed him, when he saw that he was condemned, repented himself and brought again the thirty pieces of silver to the chief priests and elders, saying, I have sinned in that I have betrayed the innocent blood. And they said, What is that to us? See thou to that. And he cast down the pieces of silver in the temple and departed and went and hanged himself. All right. So we see here that Judas hangs himself. And this comes after a time where he essentially repented from his actions. He gave the money back, but it still wasn't enough. And that lack of redemption in his life led him to hang himself. He was just so overcome by the sin. And to me, this really shows that there is nothing we can do to free ourselves from our sin. And it's only when we rely on the finished work of our Redeemer and trust in Jesus that we are able to do so. Because had Judas gone to Jesus for forgiveness, Jesus would have forgiven him. But instead, mm-hmm. he recanted his own actions, which is so similar to what people do today, where they're like, well, I got to stop sinning to either be saved, stay saved, all these things, um, instead of just resting in Christ and trusting that he will finish the good work that he started in you. So... Good. What do you have to say about that, that resting in Jesus, relying on his redemptive work and not being overcome by sin? Well, the way you explained it was so good because I think um, he took matters upon himself. um, And that can also go back to you didn't really fully even trust in the words that he was saying then because you took it upon yourself to handle the overwhelming guilt that you had instead of turning and giving it to Christ, you know, giving it all to God and, or, you know, to Jesus and asking for that forgiveness, you felt that the other route was the better route. And it was almost like the convenient route because he probably didn't have the courage to even face Jesus for forgiveness after, Mm. you know, um, 
all the, you know, things that he, he had done. So um, it's hard. I think it's a challenge daily to give it all to Christ, give it all to God, because it's in our own nature to want to have it under control on our own. Be like, oh no, this, my way is better. My way is quicker. You know, let me go my route. I know my route. So um, I think that, you know, it's a daily struggle to give it all to Christ. Um, But when you do, um, there's, I just, I think you just walk different. You live different. Yeah. There's definitely a sense of peace. What Mm -hmm. I, what I like, what you just said is it's almost like Judas was too afraid to go back to Jesus. Do you think that's pretty common amongst either people who aren't saved or even believers where Mm -hmm. they sin, they mess up and it's like, Oh, I can't, I can't. It's too soon. He won't understand. When he sees you. Right. (laughs) Don't don't tiptoe around and, you know, like Adam and Eve tiptoeing around, hiding themselves when they could be bullied, (laughs) boast and seen like he, God saw you, he saw what you were doing. So it's like when we sin or we, um, we're ashamed to go back and, and ask, um, for that forgiveness. And I don't think that change can happen unless you acknowledge it and you give it to God because, it's not going to start working for right. you. You're not changing, you know, you're not changing. You're just going to probably do it again if you're not essentially um, asking for that forgiveness. So um, I think there was just like a level of um, pride and, 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 and guilt, like pride, just afraid. Oh my, are you going to forgive me? I feel so guilty. I don't even deserve your forgiveness you know which um, none of us do (laughs) mm -hmm, mm -hmm. he just he was overwhelmed with that guilt he just felt like he didn't deserve anything at all when in reality he would have he would have forgiven you yeah absolutely Mm -hmm. well as we are wrapping up today Kristen I want to leave you with a final thought question so To me, it's just so fascinating that Jesus is God incarnate. He came down, didn't even have to do that. Um, Not only to be crucified, but go through this entire man-made trial system. Like, God incarnate was put in handcuffs. What do you make of that? think it was wrong (laughs) i think it's wrong him in handcuffs it's just like how dare you how could you why if you only knew do you feel like that should be a motivation for us when we face trial that the god of all the universe was willing to humble himself to the degree he did and now was willing to go through this great trial the greatest trial in all of history i think it's important to redirect the focus and remember that yeah most certainly remember that and when you recognize that it it makes you um when like 
question like whatever your concerns are just so tiny and in like minuscule in comparison to everything that he had endured so when you understand the severity and the gravity of just like how much he had endured for us your issue is so tiny and in like honestly in not even insignificant because god wants to know he wants to hear about it but it just puts that in perspective right and going back just for a second to like what we were just talking about do you feel like jesus would have saved you like and now is completely blindsided by your trials and sin like he saved you knowing what you would fall into and i think that's what people need to understand mhm mhm he he that i think you said that perfectly <laughs> <laughs> well Kristen it was great getting caught up with you thank you so much for coming on the podcast it was such a thank great you. conversation oh it was amazing I hope that like I said we've got some good content um congratulations on all your subscribers and the continued growth um that you keep you know that you have going on right now on all your social platforms God is working through you and within your ministry so continue to keep sharing the gospel of his life and just being that vessel uh, for others to follow. You are the light. Remember that. Oh my goodness. My head's going to get so big. Thank you so much. <laughs> <laughs> you are the light. <laughs> All right, brothers and sisters. Thank you so much for tuning in today. It was another great conversation with a good friend of mine, Kristen. Um, if you guys do have any questions about today's topic, the gospel message or anything in general, go ahead and send me an email at revivalistforchrist.gmail.com or you can reach out to me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at rfchrist10. Again, I just want to remind you guys, go ahead and check out the description box below for other great resources and playlists. Um, also, you will find the scheduled times for Church of the Eternally Secure, which I appear on every Sunday, Wednesday, and Friday. Just a reminder, if you guys are looking for a Bible or you're looking for a church in your area that's biblically sound or you want to get involved with this ministry, you can also send me an email. You know, as we were talking about trials today, I really wanted to go to uh, Psalm 30 and leave you guys with this. Um, when we look in verse 4 and 5, it says, Sing unto the Lord, O ye saints of his, and give thanks at the remembrance of his holiness. For his anger endureth but a moment, and his favor is life. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy cometh in the morning. I think it's important for us to realize that when we are in Jesus Christ, no matter how trying the seasons may be and how dark the path may seem, we always have joy in him. And joy is not an emotional expression. It's not something that we can conjure up in our flesh. It is a spiritual fruit that comes in through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. It's what allows us to experience um, spiritual excitement, peace, love in the midst of times that would be depressing and um, times that would cause suffering. Uh, joy speaks louder in those times. And so it's important that we walk after the Spirit because we can experience that joy in our most trying times. So I just wanted to leave you guys with that thought. So until next time, remember, God can use anybody and Jesus came to save everybody. Rest in his promises and take care of family.